from Steph saying, Jace, my keys are locked in the car. And I had the other set of car keys, so she couldn't get here with the kids. I just imagine her walking along the road all the way from home, baby in arms, two kids. I just imagined it would be brilliant. So we got here eventually this morning. Um, you know, it's always good to share a bit of vulnerability, isn't it? Um, really important. But should we pray? And let's just ask God that after that wonderful time of worship, that he continues us in our worship as we listen to his heart and share in the story that he has set out. So Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that we can encounter you, a living God, for everything that you've done for us, that you've made a way back to the Father. God, we thank you. We love you and we want to come before you this morning and we want to have open hearts, open minds, God. Lord, anything that isn't of you this morning would just fall away, but everything that needs to stir us, to move us, to transform us, God, would happen through your spirit. Lord, we come eager, we come hungry, we come thirsty to know more of you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, some of you may know that um, my name's Jason and uh, I've grown up in this area for a long, long time and I worked in a company called Rolls-Royce in Bristol. And in Rolls-Royce, part of our training was to weld. Anybody done any welding before? Yeah? Anybody ever forgotten to put their mask on when they're welding before? Yeah. The experience is very unpleasant, isn't it, Craig? And uh, basically, you get something called archai, um, if you're really unlucky, and it's because the sun is so bright. The, 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 because the bright light from a welder, it captures your eye, and it basically burns your retina because it's so bright. I was doing welding, and the apprentices were all training and learning, and of course, we have to see how bright it is, don't we? Because that's what you do. Our tutor said, do not look at the light. We looked at the light. Like, ah! Burning eyes and sore. And I remember going home that evening and I was like, why are my eyes stinging and hurting? And you could feel it in the back, like pressure and archi. So if you ever do any welding, always wear a mask. But today we're going to be looking at a similar thing that happened to Saul. He was blinded by light. I'm sure we know the story well, but we're going to turn to Acts 9, 1 to 19. This is about encounter brings transformation. Encountering, encounter, unexpected, to be faced with an experience Maybe something hostile or difficult, or to meet someone unexpectedly. Transformation, the act of process, of changing completely. So I want you to remember those two words. Encounter, transformation. Encounter, to meet someone unexpectedly, or faced with an experience. Transformation, the act of the process of changing completely. A complete change. Transformation. So here we go. Now is this NIV? Hopefully. 
Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for the letters to synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether man or woman, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and he did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias or Ananias. Should we have a little vote? Ananias, Ananias. Which one? Ananias. There we go. Ananias. Yes, uh, in Damascus, the Lord called to Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on the straight street and ask for a man from Tarus named Saul. For he is praying in a vision. He has seen a man named Ananias come to the place, his hands on him and restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. (laughs) This man is the chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hand on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. What an incredible story. We've probably heard this story many times, even in our Sunday school years. We probably have heard it and thought about it. And maybe some of us have even thought, I really wish that happened to me. (laughs) I really wanted to be blinded for three days. I really wanted to meet Jesus on the road to Damascus. And I really wanted to be in pain and really not understand um, everything for three days and be a bit scared, really, until this man comes up to me who somehow knows who I am and starts talking to me like I should know who he is. Hmm. I'm sure we've all wanted that, hey? But the reality is this testimony of Paul Saul's life is incredible. It's also incredible for Ananias. It's also incredible for the guys that were watching. And I want to look at all of that. So, 
Encounter brings transformation. So Saul, let's look at Saul, who he was, what he did. Now, by the sounds of it, and we probably know by our readings that he wasn't a very nice man to the people that they called following the way, which was the people that followed Jesus, the way. Are we followers of the way? Yes, we are. And Saul did not like them because they were a revolution in his day. He was a good God-believing servant of God. And that is the God of Abraham, the same God that we serve, but he didn't like the idea of what Jesus did. He was there doing what he thought God was asking him to do, and that was to stop the revolution. And the revolution was that Jesus brought a freedom and a salvation that neither did he understand or know at the time. But there's good news coming, because even though he was this man, he was actually born at 5 AD, So he would have been around when Jesus was around. He would have probably even heard him, maybe. Um, But he definitely did not like what Jesus' message was. And he plotted, helped people kill the followers of the way. Dangerous man. We could say probably one of the most dangerous of his time if you were a follower of Jesus. Not someone we would want walking through those doors right now. But Jesus had a work for him. And it started with an encounter. An encounter like maybe no other that we've experienced reading the scripture. A bright flashing light that blinded him. With that welding mask, for a moment, you couldn't see properly when it was off your face. You could just see like this mark. You know when you look at a light bulb? Well, for Saul, it was so bright, he couldn't see for days. Now, I think there's something more to this. And if you read through some other people's ideas, that they would think that this was highlighting Saul's spiritual blindness. What I mean by that is his inability to see the things that were greater than him, as in in the spiritual realm. He understood the law, he understood scripture, and he could read it with great knowledge and understanding. But we know, to be the followers of the way, that there is more in the spiritual realm than we maybe even understand now, but Jesus wants to reveal to us through his Holy Spirit. So Paul's blindness wasn't just his physical blindness here, it was his blindness to the spirit of God. Does that make sense? It was his spiritual blindness. That's important as we look at what happens in the process of him coming through transformation from that encounter. We might think that the encounter initiated instantly a change of Saul's heart. But I would like to argue that it didn't just happen straight away. The reason why he had such a long period of time between that initial encounter was God was working on his heart. He broke him. Saul was doing all the work that he thought for his self-gain. He was building a place up in heaven for himself. Everything that he worked towards was so he would do things right for God. But that wasn't the thing that he should be doing. It was about Jesus. So as he encountered Jesus, 
his whole world got turned upside down. And we sung about it and we said it today, less of me, more of you. Paul, Saul, going to get that wrong a lot today. Saul, in that moment, needed changing. It was a transformation and it was a transformation of his heart. When I come to talk about these three people at the end, I want to pick up on why this timescale is important. I want to look at how transformation, encounter brings transformation, is so important and really central to how we preach Jesus to everybody we meet. For Paul, it was the process. He was obedient. Obedience. He did what Jesus told him to do, even though he might have been a slight stranger at the time. And as those three days of not eating, getting weaker and fragile, his blindness became not blindness. And we'll get on to what Ananias did. So let's look at Ananias. He was a good man. He was just ordinary. He wasn't anything special. He wasn't well taught or learned, but he was a disciple and he followed the way. Now, it's important that we understand that he was just ordinary, that he wasn't special, because if he was special, he might be, um, the whole encounter might be thought about that he was very clever, so he kind of Saul um, told him some clever wording to maybe transform his thinking. But no, he didn't. He just did what Jesus asked him to do. So his encounter was in a vision. So it isn't just Paul's encounter that brought transformation. Ananias' transformation came through encounter. This vision was important to him because he had to argue with God for a little bit. Yeah, that's important. Have we sometimes heard from Jesus and gone, really, God? Mm. I'm not sure. (laughs) Do you you know that man? You you know that guy? You know, um, the one that likes to, like, throw people in jail because they're like me? You know, God? Well... Jesus went, yeah, I do. (laughs) But guess what? Something's changing. So Ananias had to make a decision. He had to be obedient. Do you see the pattern? So he went. And he found him. Now, I don't know about you, but does God speak to you that clearly? Oh yeah, he's on straight street. Born in Tarus. Yeah. Named Saul. Um, did Jesus impart that sort of thing into your heart? Well, I think that's a prayer that we need to pray. Because in this case, there could be people like Saul that we should be reaching. It was through obedience the transformation came to Saul because of Ananias. This is Christ-likeness 
to go and be obedient. So when he came to the house where Saul was, he came in with love. He came in with honour. And he came in with truth. He didn't shame. He didn't highlight Saul's shortfallings. He didn't say, well, Saul, you, 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 you are this horrible man that's been doing A, B, C, D. No, he didn't say that. He said, I've heard from the Lord. And if we read the scripture, he laid a hand on his shoulder, or his back, we imagine, and he prayed that Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. His obedience, his love, and his clarity of truth was what led Ananias' encounter to transformation. The fearful, the scared, ordinary man did something remarkable that day and stepped into something quite life-threatening, if I'm honest. Not only did the healing come at that moment, but he was filled with the Spirit. And that says something about how we come to know Jesus. How the people we pray for should come to know Jesus. So Saul's healing, his spiritual eyes were open. So the men traveling with Saul, they saw this. And in Acts 22, which is another encounter, um, another testimony of what happened here. Acts 22.9, my companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. They had a different viewpoint. They saw the power, but they didn't know the source. Their hearts hadn't been touched or nudged by Jesus, like Saul's. They saw the light but didn't have the encounter. I think that we could be any one of these three people, four people. We could be like Saul. We could be like Ananias. Or we could be like the people that stood there. Because they saw but didn't believe. And the people that we meet daily, and this is what I want to bring out of this, the people that we meet daily could be one of those three people. We could be the non-believer. We see the power, but have not had the encounter. We could be the non-believer, but being transformed through an encounter with Jesus and turning from our old life, like Saul, into the new life to be more like Jesus. Or we could be like Ananias, a believer who follows and is still being transformed to be more like Jesus. We can be in one of those three camps. I know where I want to be, and I know where I want to be asking God to help me be more like Ananias, ready and willing to go and share Jesus. But sometimes... I can be like 
the guys watching. I can see the power, but sometimes I don't believe the encounter or don't have the encounter. I would like to know that I've turned away from my old life to be more like Jesus. Sometimes those things creep back in, don't they? But we try. And this is what we have the promise of the Holy Spirit to help us. When I first experienced this kind of action in work, of the transformation of Jesus in such a significant way from not knowing him at all, it seemed like Saul, to completely knowing him and changing your life completely for him. I saw this worked out using um, something on the streets, and it was from a guy called Mark Marks, and it was something called the miracle question. I don't know if it was Mark Mark's original thing or he just taught about it, so I'm just going to pick up on what he taught me in, a, in, a, in a, a seminar. And the important thing about this model of encouraging people to follow Jesus was it was all about encounter with the Holy Spirit. So what we did is we would start by kneeling down in the middle of the street and praying for his kingdom to come. We would then wait and we would ask Jesus through his Holy Spirit to lead us to those that we felt or sensed that God was already working in their lives. Pretty brave, okay? That is pretty brave. We would then walk up to that person and go, hello. <laughs> um, Sorry to disturb your day. Anybody ever done cold calling? Terrible. But this was a bit like cold calling. But sorry to disturb your day, but we just want to ask you a question. If God could do a miracle in your life today, what would it be? Now, it's very important to say at this point, whenever anybody says, no, thank you, stop, glazed over, look, they're not interested, that means stop. Don't go any further. That's okay. But because you've prayed the prayer, Lord, lead me, you'll be surprised what next happens. That person has an opportunity to share something that might be really deep, might be really superficial. I want to be a millionaire. Or it might be actually, I've got cancer and I really need God to heal me. So Saul was like this person. Ananias knew what needed to happen because the Lord revealed to him, with precision, I'd like to say, what the need was. Our hearts, folks, need to be open to that encounter with Jesus to show us that A, B, C, D person, I'm already working in their life. I've already stopped them on their road and blinded them to the things around them, so that the other spiritual stuff that's distracting is blinded. Because now I, Jesus, can speak into that person's life using you. If we had that clarity, when we went into the mission field, church, 
would you feel a little bit more confident? Maybe a little bit more brave? Bold? I think so. So this isn't about me saying, well, we need to do better, because actually I'm talking to myself. Are our hearts open to hear an encounter so real, so transformational, that we'll be bold enough to go and ask somebody, if God could heal you, what would it be? Because it doesn't just stop there, you see. If they say, oh yeah, this, A, B, and C, well then you go, can I pray for you? And Ananias prayed very boldly. He didn't bring up anything of the past. He just said, be healed. Would we be brave enough to pray for that encounter, for that person to really feel and sense the love of God? Would we be brave to pray in that moment your best prayer for that person, full of love and compassion, just like Jesus prayed? Because if we do, something happens. Heaven touches earth. The Spirit of God moves in that moment in maybe those dry bones start to come alive and something radical happens in that person's life. They start to experience the love of Jesus. Then, if there's no stop signs, if they're still going for this with you, you go, what did you sense? What did you feel? Anything happen? No, nothing. Okay. Actually, I felt peace or Actually, I feel quite overwhelmed, emotional. And actually, as you pray for people in that moment, you might see the scales fall off their eyes. Maybe in the spirit, maybe physically. They're crying. God is working in those people's lives as he works in yours. But it takes obedience. Shall I carry on to show you where we should go with this moment? We should carry on because we have experienced the love of Jesus ourselves. They're now experiencing something of his presence. So we just need to encourage them by saying, this is Jesus. This is really important around here because there is all sorts of spirituality. There is all sorts of channels and ways of being spiritual and awakened and in tune with my all that stuff. But it's about me, not him. When we are praying for people in the spirit, we're saying, come Holy Spirit. That's God. That's the Trinity. If we believe that, then he already knows that Jesus is a part in that. He already knows the Father's part in that. They are Trinity together, not separate. So we introduce them to Jesus. Now, Revelation 3.20, this isn't actually an evangelistic verse, but there's a very simple verse and it says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now, my experience with these um, moments is that you can encourage that person by saying, Jesus, at this moment, is at the door of your life and he's knocking and he wants to come in. 
Now, if they've experienced something of God in that moment, they'll get that. If they haven't experienced God in that moment, they'll still listen unless they give you a stop. And if they give you a stop, what do you do? Stop. But if they do, you can say, and he wants to come into your life and he wants to partake in your life. He wants to join with you and not just sit there and watch the TV with you, but he wants to eat a very intimate thing. And he wants to be your friend. He wants to live as your Lord. So I know this is just a model. You can take from it whatever you like. But it helps us with the story and understanding of Saul's conversion that Ananias listened to Jesus. And we have that privilege to do the same. And then once you've introduced them to Jesus, you say, would you like him to come into your life? And it sounds very simple, doesn't it, in many ways. By this time, you're either shaking because you're so scared or actually something is miraculously happening. And I want to assure you, and I will assure you, that if you try this, if the Lord is behind it and if he has led you, you will see people in that moment turn to Jesus. And the reason I want to assure you is because I tried it. And out of about 20 people three people gave their life to Jesus. Now that's not because of me, that's because Jesus was working in their lives. And I wasn't the only person doing this. There was loads of people, and loads of people turned to Jesus. Now you might say, well, yeah, but they haven't done the sinner's prayer, they haven't done this, that, and the other. Well, that's what you do after. You lead them through those things. You, you share what it is. Like Paul, he was baptised. He realised his life was different from now on. And it was, you know, even got his name changed to Paul. He was completely different. His whole priorities and standards of life changed. Transformation. Encounter brings transformation. So I'm coming back. That's a model of evangelism. It's just one. A model's a model. We can look at that in more detail. That's no problem. But I want to encourage us, church, that if that's something we're serious about, if we're really serious about the fact that Jesus' encounter with someone can actually change them, do we believe that? Yeah? We do. Because we've been there, yeah? Our transformation was because we encountered God. If, uh, if what I say there, you're like, oh, that's not ringing quite true with me yet, that's okay. Because there's still time. There is still time. And we can pray for that encounter. Oh, Jason, I've been praying for that encounter for years. Well, you might have been. But I believe that this story shows us that even the worst of the worst can be touched by Jesus. So having a stubborn heart is going to be okay for Jesus to deal with. It's okay. It's okay. We come with obedience. And we might fit into one of those three categories. I want to give us an opportunity to come to the Lord. The Lord Jesus. And I want to invite the Holy Spirit to come and minister to us. But wherever we are on that journey ourselves, that he would, one, 
give us that true encounter with him. Two, we've had that true encounter with him, that we would go on in boldness to ask for fresh revelation of where he's moving in our life, but also in others. And three, if we're all those things, they would give us the confidence to go out and give us every tool that we need that when we do the lunches on a Sunday, Wednesday, when we're in the building, when we're out in town, when we're in our work situation, that we would have the boldness and the clarity to speak Jesus. Because as Dave said last week, it is good news. It is good news. There is joy, salvation, and hope for the hungry and the lost. Our friends, our family, those that are broken, those that are really far from God. Nobody could be further than Saul. And it all changed. Should we stand together? So Lord, you've heard our hearts. And as we let you into our thoughts and our Our moment right now, Holy Spirit, we give you permission to reveal to us where we're at. And we pray, come Holy Spirit. As we do that, I I encourage you just to receive from him, wherever you are. This isn't anything strange, it's a very normal, natural thing that if we want to receive from God, that we just come with openness. Sometimes we show that by opening our hands. And it's like we want to receive from him. God, we, we, we come. Wherever we are in that journey, we pray, come Holy Spirit. Would you reveal to us your love for us, your heart, your transformational power. Would you encounter us this morning afresh, God? Where we need courage, God, would you fill us with your courage, your boldness? Do we believe you, Jesus, that you still move mountains? Lord, where we lack in faith, would you fill us with your faith now in Jesus' name? where our fear of man is greater than our fear of you, God, would you change it? Would you transform it? Where we feel timid, where we have all the excuses like Ananias, would you show us your heart, Jesus? Would you break our heart for what breaks yours, Jesus? Spirit of God, we welcome you. Have your way. Just get a sense that... um, 
bit tingly on your face here. Around your lip area. I don't know if that's anybody in the room. If that's you, I just want to encourage you. I feel that God is saying that possibly he could be saying this, that he wants to use your mouth to speak the truth of Jesus. That he's preparing you for greater work. And he's just asking you to step out. Just out of interest, is that anybody in here? Tingly here? On the face? It's okay. Jesus, we thank you. We love you. We thank you that you're gentle and kind. But Lord, you speak truth to our hearts and sometimes that's hard to hear, but we know it's good because it's from you. So Jesus, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to...